This is Coach Ron Polk, and there's no way I'd ever listen to the Out of Left Field show with Bart and Charlie, even if I could listen through my flip phone or typewriter. Well, hello there. It's been a while. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We've taken a couple of weeks off from Out of Left Field, getting ready and geared up for baseball season right around the corner. Inside of a month ago, it's four weeks from Friday. Hard to believe that baseball is right around the corner. And Charlie... State announced his schedule yesterday, and so just looking at the schedule, that's what we kind of wanted to get together and talk about is about what this 2021 schedule looks like. And, man, I tell you what, the first thoughts that I had was, man, what a bear of some non-conference games the state's going to play this year. Yeah, it's a mix, isn't it? You see kind of a real impact. Other than perhaps Eastern Michigan, you see a lot of teams that you would call close by, uh, and that's just kind of where we are in this time and age, I suppose. So you see a lot of teams. And I'll tell you one that jumped out at me, talk about close by, um, and I don't want to get ahead of us, Bart, but Tulane, right off the bat, you know, one of your first home weekends or your first home weekend, you get Tulane coming in here. We don't play them a lot. Not many games against Tulane. No, we really don't. And I actually asked Ron Polk that the other day. Of course, Ron Polk's now in the athletic department working in the Bulldog Club, and I have a chance to kind of pick his brain a little bit more than we used to. And, and I asked him that question. I said, you know, why do we not play Tulane? And he says, hey, I always had a great relationship with Ron Maestri. Maestri, the longtime head coach down at UNO. And he just says, hey, we just decided to play UNO instead of playing Tulane. And so, therefore, we went down there. So, we didn't play Tulane a whole lot. I think the last time we played Tulane was in 1998. So, it's been a long time. And that was down in, what, New Orleans in a in the Superdome maybe. But we used to play them a long time. But then Coach Paul came in. We played UNO more than anything. But I tell you what, you look at Tulane. And, Charlie, you mentioned it. I mean, this is a team that won nine games to end its season, went 15-2. and two. They're going to be picked to finish, I think, third in the AAC this year behind ECU and Central Florida. They've got the best pitcher in the league probably in Brandon Olthoff. And, I mean, this is a, a two-lane team. You're going to get your oil check that first weekend. You know, we go out and play Texas, Texas Tech, and then TCU. But that second weekend, that first home weekend against Tulane, we're going to find out a lot about this team. Yeah, I was doing some reading on Tulane, talking about Olthoff, and you know what just struck fear in my heart was the scouting report on him is really good fastball, elite slider. Uh-oh. And if there is anything that has driven me crazy as a Mississippi State fan, I started to say early in the season, but at any time in the season, elite slider. And I think sliders probably have you know more domination early in the season because as a player you're trying to get you know in in your mind about release points and things of that nature and how many times you see guys have big swings and misses early. What's the old adage? Pitching's ahead of hitting early in the season, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's picking up spin, whether it be the big hammer curveball or that good hard slider. And when you've got a guy whose dominant pitch is that slider is that curveball that kind of worries you early in the season yeah it absolutely does let's back up though I got us ahead thinking about that home weekend because in my mind that's kind of when it starts but we're we open things up going out to Texas and Arlington Texas playing at Globe Life Field we're going to play some Texas schools presumably it's there's still TBAs on there and a lot still to sort out there are you a fan of, you know, we've done this over the years. We've gone down to Louisiana and played in the Superdome. We've done some different things to open the season. Do you like this? Yes, absolutely. And here's the reason. One is is you get a chance to get your feet wet, and, and it's climate-controlled. 
Okay, that's that's the big thing. It may not be as climate controlled at Globe Life Park, but you know, I was in the Superdome this past Sunday, and that was my first thought: is man, I wish you could play a baseball tournament down here now. I don't know if you can now in the new configuration of the Superdome. You know, we went to the Metro Dome in Minneapolis one year and played to open the season, and now going out there, I think you see real quick what you've got. You know, you talk about you really don't know who you're going to play. We think it's going to be Texas, TCU, and Texas, uh, Texas Tech. Arkansas has said they're playing Texas first. Now, that was kind of released on their schedule side that they're going to play Texas first. So that probably takes you away from seeing Trevor Madden, who's preseason All-American, that big right-hander out of Texas. And so then you pl- probably play Texas Tech or TCU to start the season. You know, TCU, all six of these teams, by the way, preseason top 12, which is amazing. Of course, we saw Texas Tech last year. They only had three losses the entire season early in the year. Two of them were to us. They've got a lot of guys coming back. That lineup is going to be really good offensively. And then TCU and Jim Schlossnagel, they're going to be really good as well. So, I mean, you're either going to play you know, TCU or Texas Tech early, but you're going to find out real quick. And that's the one thing about this team that everybody keeps talking about is the starting rotation. Christian McLeod and Will Bednar, Eric Sarantola, you know, look at that three-headed monster. Well, you got a good chance to see some good matchups early in the season. You know, I think back, and I was actually talking about this a couple days ago, about we had kind of one of those old check moments early, and I think it was in 2010, we went to Corpus Christi. And the first game we played Oklahoma, Nick Rout went against Oklahoma. He got battered around, battered around a little bit. And then with the second day we played UCLA, and Trevor Bauer, and then the third day we played a doubleheader against a, a Corpus Christi. And then a few years ago, we went back out to L.A. We played UCLA one night. That was uh, Grant Cannon. Uh, I think he you know, four hit us that night. We lost two to one. We had the bases loaded, two outs in the ninth inning, and, and they got out of it. And then that Saturday game, Cale Bro had an unbelievable outing out of the bullpen, and we won at USC. And then we tied Oklahoma in Dodger Stadium. That and was so, the one I had to leave and get on the plane, right? Had to leave and get on the plane. I think we went 10 innings, and we ended in a tie. Gavin Collins had a home run in that game. L.A. guy had a home run in Dodger Stadium. That was pretty cool. But, yeah, you find out a lot about yourself playing in these games. And just because you may go to and it's all about matchups, man. That's the whole thing. It's not like a regular weekend where, you know, your number one's going against their number one, your two's going against their two. It's uh it's it's really it's really crazy how it all kind of plays itself out. Yeah, so we go out there. I like it. I, I like getting away from home. I still am a believer that road trips are good for teams. Especially early. Yeah. You know, you you form a lot of camaraderie, you get a lot of things done off the field with your team. It's healthy to spend some time together, get away from people, get away from the school. So I like the idea of going out there and spending a weekend together early. And, and, and two, you've got freshmen and sophomores who understand what it's like to have to carry the bags. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's little things like that. When you go on a road trip, it's almost like the hierarchy you know, comes into play. You know, the seniors are treated at a different level than the juniors and on down the line because you may be, you know, unpacking – a pitching machine for ground balls if you're a freshman. And sometimes you don't get that when you're at home. Of course, you got all the managers doing that stuff at home. So, yeah, it's that camaraderie of going on the road. We went out to Oregon a few years ago and played at Oregon. Lost two out of three in the snow. It was awful as far as it was just cold, 
awful. They had a left-hander on a Friday night. I think he struck out 17 guys. Now, Andy Canizero, bless Andy. Andy had the best quote that I can imagine. We got back for the post-game meal, and Andy said that guy, that guy could have been throwing that slider from second base, and we still wouldn't have hit it. <laughs> well, and that goes back to what we talked about just a minute ago, right? That good slider early in the season yep. can be really tough on hitters. And maybe that's why we ought to be glad that we're kind of a pitching-dominant team this year. Yeah. Or at least we think we're going to be because you're going to have a chance to – you're going to need to win some games 2-1. to one. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's it's going to be pitchers' mentality early. And here's the thing, Charlie, and we'll get into this more as we go on, but we talk about our pitching depth and about how good our pitching is. And, yes, all three guys – According to Division One baseball or D one baseball, are top twenty six in you know draft prospects in college baseball. When when you look at your rotation, but man, I tell you what, you look through yeah. who's number one and number two <laughs> guys from Vanderbilt. Yeah, fancy I mean, that. Right? When you when you start looking at what everybody's got, everybody's got pitching this year. Yeah, you go back if you pull up. There's a few exceptions. Texas A&M is an exception, right, because you use, you lose Asa Lacey, who's a, a top-five pick, and then Roja goes, I think, in the second round. But basically, though, you start to go and you look at the number of draft, highly draft-rated pitchers in this league. It's, it's amazing. Florida's got them, LSU, Vandy, Georgia, Ole Miss. Hey, a and still got Bryce Miller, He's a right-hander. I mean, you still, even though they may not have, you know, two or three guys, they still have one. And everybody you play. I mean, Richard Fitz over at Auburn. I mean, I think of Richard, I still remember Richard when he was young growing up, you know, Trevor Fitz's younger brother. And, and he went to Auburn. You know, we had the turnover and everything going on here. And, you know, Richard just felt comfortable with, uh, with Butch down there, and he, and he went. And He's course, raiding the top ten now. Number nine. I mean, Richard Fitz is the number nine guy. And so on Friday nights, when you face Auburn, you're going to face a top ten draft prospect. All right, so let's do this. I, I don't think anybody wants us to read the schedule to them, but I want to I want to ask you a few things and, and, and talk about a couple of things. Number one, let, let's talk about this, the teams we don't play. Okay, on our schedule this year, no Tennessee, no Georgia, no Florida. Florida's a good thing. That's a good thing. Preseason number one, uh, and, and they have a plethora of riches – down there, but Kevin O'Sullivan has this every year. I mean, the, everybody every single year says Florida has this, has that, and you know, a lot of times they get to the College World Series. But if they lived off the preseason ratings, they'd have won you know eight national championships in the last ten years. So, but that but if be- I said right now, I'll give you a couple of picks of teams from the East you don't play. Vanderbilt would be on my list every time. And Florida is probably where I'd be going next. So if I were, if my only goal was to have the best record I could, those are the teams I would like to avoid. You, you at least avoid one of them. Well, I take Vanderbilt. I take, I take playing Florida at home, of course, more than playing Vanderbilt on the road. And that's what we have. We play at Vanderbilt. And there's a couple things in there you got to deal with. One is you got to deal with artificial turf on, on the, pitch, the mound, on the pitcher's mound, what which a is joke. what is different. Hey, don't get me started on that. I, I still don't understand why college baseball doesn't take the major league baseball model of making it mandatory for dirt areas around the mound and home plate. But don't get me started on that. That is my personal belief, and I think it's the right belief. Anyway, long story short, going to Vanderbilt, you got to put up the daggum Whistler. 
Oh. But I mean, and they play different. They 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 play different in Nashville, and so. But you know, that's later in the season. Here's the thing: when I think of the schedule, okay, do you like playing LSU early in the year? We we lead off SEC play in Baton Rouge, the same way we did in 2012 on that Friday night when Chris Stratton struck out what 17, and Kevin Gosman was pitching for LSU. We had that tenth inning, two to one game that still was just. Heartbreaking. No, we lost and three that, to two. That reminds me. You know, we were talking. We we were really lucky last year to visit with a number of great baseball people. And if there's anything that came out of the pandemic and baseball being stopped for our show, at least, it was we took a lot more time just to talk with people and tell baseball stories. And it reminds me one of my favorite things we ever did. We got Butch Thompson from Auburn, and we got Lane Burroughs, Louisiana Tech, and they gave us an hour. And it was like just four guys sitting around a table telling baseball stories. And your story, I'm going to let you tell it, but the story of Butch at breakfast the morning <laughs> after, and Butch tells it and you told it. And by the way, if you go back and listen to that one, if you love Mississippi State baseball, because that was that was a great time. But I want, I want you to tell the story about the morning after Chris Stratton struck out 17 and we lost. Yeah, no, we lost because we had runners at first. They had runners at first and second and nobody out. And they were in a bunt situation. And they bunted the guy second and third, so it's one out. And we're going to intentionally walk the bases loaded. And Caleb Reed, who I love Caleb Reed. Caleb was a great ambassador for Mississippi State. He was, he was the closer in 12. Throws a wild pitch on an intentional walk. They come in with a tying run. So then we load the bases up. We end up losing the game 3-2 to two in the 10th inning. On the ninth, that Stratton had that unbelievable outing. You know, Barry Chambers' strike zone that night was pretty wide, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Chris or hey, Kevin Gosselin. playing the course. But, but I'm just saying. But uh, Slaughter, Mitch Slaughter, let off the 10th inning with a home run, and we took a 2-1 lead. And Slaughter hitting a home run was like crazy enough. So then LSU comes back and wins the game. We come down for breakfast the next morning, and Butch walks up, and he's got his pancakes and his sausage or whatever, and he says, you know – I beat the crap out of a kid when I was six years old, and the good Lord waited the last night to finally get me back. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, playing playing LSU early down in Baton Rouge, I'll take it. I'll I, tell you another reason I'll take it, because I think the guy actually their highest-rated pitcher is Jaden Hill, and he threw, he's thrown a lot out of the bullpen. They're making him a starter. He throws hard. If anything has happened for him, though, over time, it looks like the deeper he's gone into ball games. He just loses a little bit. And and so it's going to be a question of where is his arm? How much ability does he have to keep throwing? And a guy like that, I'll take my chances when it's going to be cooler and it's going to be earlier, much better than I would facing him in May. And, boy, there's another issue not to want to play in Tiger Stadium in May. Yeah, and they've got Landon Marceau, too. And so he really had a good fall, big right-hander down at LSU. But I agree with that statement. I know where you're going with it. I'd rather play LSU. If you're going to play them in Baton Rouge, I'd rather play in March than in May. That, the, ball that ballpark fly. That ballpark gets small in May. And even if you've got a really good pitcher, even if you've got a McLeod or a Bednar or whoever going, all it takes is one mistake. And the guy hit a ball off the handle and get it out of there. I mean, what's the, the strong part of this team is pitching. And pitching in Baton Rouge in March, it's a, it's a lot easier for a pitcher in March than it is in May to compete in Alex Box. And so that's the reason I'm glad we go down there. Hey, it's amazing when you look at the schedule. We go to Baton Rouge to start the season, and then we have Arkansas and Kentucky back-to-back, second and third week of the season. 
it's it's kind of crazy. That was the football schedule. You know, you played LSU, Arkansas, then Kentucky. Of course, Arkansas and Kentucky in baseball are at home. And so, you know, we've had success against Arkansas at home. Kentucky with Nick Mincione coming back in. You know, the last time we had Nick in was that 2016-17 season. Rooker hit the three home runs in one ball game. And so that that's what I look back and think of when I think of Kentucky coming back. You know, they're not being talked about as much this year. And you kind of wonder what Kentucky's going to be like. You kind of wonder what Arkansas is going to be like. I mean, Arkansas, they got a lot of new faces on that team. Yeah, Kerstad's finally gone. And so you like that. The other thing is Arkansas last year, you know, they had a period in the middle of their schedule where they lost like five games in a row. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I haven't figured out where I put them. You know, they're rated in the top ten preseason. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's a little bit high, but I may be regretting saying that uh, late March. You know, this is the same schedule. First of all, it's the same teams you were supposed to play last year in league play and where you were supposed to play them. And when all this thing happened, you know, after we played the two games against Texas Tech down in Biloxi, and that was the last games we had last year, we were scheduled to play Arkansas that weekend. And, Charlie, I remember me and you getting together after that Texas Tech game and talking about the Arkansas preview and about how, hey, let me tell you, you kind of got to like the way this matchup kind of unfolds for Mississippi State. You mentioned Kerstad finally being gone. That's a difference right there. Casey Martin played there 19 years. He's gone. I mean, so you've got some guys who were very good as freshmen all the way through their senior year. But I like that series early in the season against Arkansas, uh, playing at home. And so then, you know, you start talking about non-conference games. We're playing UT Martin in there. we got to go back and talk real quick. You know, before that, we play Lafayette. Lafayette's going to be picked high in the Sun Belt this year. Tennessee Tech which is going to be in here in that third weekend of the se- of the season. Steve Smith is going to bring that team in here. Yeah, you know, Steve Smith was another guy that we visited with last year. And he, of course, longtime head coach at Baylor after being an assistant coach here at Mississippi State. And it was really interesting. That was another great story, Steve Smith talking about he was already at Baylor but coming back here to watch the regional to see Eric DeBose and these guys that he recruited but never got to coach to see them play try to go to the World Series. You know, Tennessee Tech's got one of the top-rated first basemen in the country, a guy named Henchman. Hit, I think, 24 home runs as a sophomore. Was already on a tear last year. They struggled a little bit. But, man, you start to look at it. It would be interesting, right, to just to do a show on how college baseball schedules are made. So let's look at this. you got Tulane, who we talked about not playing. Then you start to see Southern Miss, you're going to play them just every year. Should have played them last year, got rained out. And played them in Pearl, which is kind of interesting because that is a non-conference neutral site game, and we're not going to play the mayor, the, the Governor's Cup this year. And so you kind of wonder what the ballpark is going to look like, You know how many people they're going to let in. That's going to be the case everywhere you go. But from a neutral site game, from somebody putting that game on, you know, we play them early in the year. But, you know, all right, so you've got Tennessee Tech, Steve Smith, former yep. assistant coach. you got Eastern Michigan, you know, Scott Weatherby, who is an assistant AD, is the athletic director there. And we, I can't believe we haven't said this yet. You start to look at things that jump out on the schedule. Arkansas State's coming here. Hey, I'm so glad. You know, here here's the thing. Tommy Raffo, you know, spent – yeah, you know, a number of years as an assistant coach here, and everything is well documented. 
And Tommy's coming in here April the 13th on a Tuesday night, the weekend before Super Bowl, weekend before you play Ole Miss. And it's going to be good to have Tom, to have Tommy back because here's the reason. First of all, Tommy Raffo's a good guy. That's the first and foremost. But second of all, he's one of your all-time great players. And for Tommy to bring his team down here, one of the all-time greats. Charlie, we always talk about that Grand Slam for Masters. But mm-hmm. let me tell you something. Grand Slam for Masters doesn't mean a whole lot if it wasn't for the double from Tommy Raffo on Monday. No, absolutely, because everybody misremembers – Burke Masters hitting a Grand Slam to send us to Omaha. He didn't. All he did was give us a win in our first matchup with Florida State. We came back and lost the next time we played them, and we're on Monday in a win-or-go-home game against Florida State, and what was that, about seventh, eighth inning Yeah. that Raffo doubles off the top of the wall in right field. And But for that, you know, that Masters thing's a great story. Who scored? It was Cohen. Yeah. Yep, Tommy Raffo driving in John Cohen. That that gave us uh, that gave us that big lead, and of course, Eduardo Perez had that line drive that Bobby Reed snagged. We talked <laughs> about this. I mean, I could talk at nauseum. We can go down so many rabbit holes when we start talking about baseball. Then you've got uh, Ole Miss here. Uh, when you start, we go to Auburn in that fourth weekend. Go to Auburn the first weekend in April, April nineteenth, eleventh. Butch Thompson, by the way, had a great line about this season, and that's the thing when we start talking about these teams that we are playing. We think we know some things about them, but there's a lot of unanswered questions about everybody. You have mentioned before, Bart, we didn't have a summer. So you question how much did people develop. A lot of programs during the fall were shut down and sent home for two weeks because of COVID protocols. And what Butch said was that this season is going to be as much a test of culture as it is of talent. Yes. And that is how much are guys finding a way when they get sent home for two weeks to go work somewhere else to get better, to develop that third pitch, to do all these things. It's, I think when we look back at this season, when it's all said and done, there are going to be a lot of preseason polls. They're not only wrong, but wildly so. A couple of things is going to change. First of all, you, d- you don't have the summer. You don't have, like you said, the development phase of the Cape Cod League and all these collegiate summer leagues that is so beneficial. So you don't have that. First of all, you know, you got guys that are stepping away from the game for a couple of months or you know, sometimes two, three months on that rigorous activity. And so you may lose some pinpoint. You may lose the ability to command the strike zone. But here's the thing, and knock on wood, because I, I hope I'm not saying something that's going to crop up, but you haven't heard of, of as many injuries this year. Isn't it amazing about how we haven't heard from around college baseball, usually this time of year, even though you're just getting into practice, even though you're just starting your team drills, usually you're hearing sometimes one, two per team, not just in each league, about a guy losing the season, Tommy John, this early. It seems like everybody's fresh. And sometimes I go back to that old adage about, you know, your kids growing up and not letting them play baseball year-round when they're 11 years old or 12 years old and playing multiple sports. And we hear college coaches talk ad nauseum about, hey, let your kids play other sports. I think this is a great example of even college-age kids taking a step away from the game of baseball for a little bit of time and what it does to your arm. And I think you're going to have a lot of freshness. And uh, like I said, I hope I hope this trend continues. But right now you're not having the huge issue with the injuries. All right, so you may have guys fresher, which makes you think they're going to throw harder. 
It's going to be interesting to see what it does to control. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you may not have as the, as pinpoint. And what does it do, you know, when you start talking about pitch count? Okay, so you look at these early games. You, you talk about playing, you know, that first weekend, even though you're playing Texas, Texas Tech, and, and TCU. Then you play Tulane. You know, if you start thinking about how pitching coaches and coaches in today's game of baseball, how they manage pitchers, even though these guys may be preseason All-American, even though you've got, you know, Linder, Marcineau, and all these guys. I mean, I'm not talking about just Mississippi State, but how they are handled from a pitching coach standpoint. A lot of these guys are only going five innings early in the year as it is. Yeah, and I guess what we'll so see. So do they go longer? I mean, that's the question. Do you give them more innings early on, more pitches early on? Well, let's take that from a, Miss, a Mississippi State perspective. It's kind of hard to do that when you're saying that one of our challenges is we've got enough arms that we've got to get them all time. Doesn't yeah. that make it harder to, to run a guy out there for that sixth or seventh? Oh, absolutely. Scott Foxhall is going to have – a management issue this year. It's going to be very different than it has been in the past because do you go out there and you pull a guy the first time he throws – he walks a batter in the sixth inning, you know? What do you do because you know you have a plethora of arms in the bullpen and you have to get those guys work? That's going to be the big key. All right, let me ask you this. When I look at this schedule, I feel like the front half of our SEC schedule – is the hardest. Uh, you do have Kentucky mixed in there, which ought to be one of your more favorable matchups. But you're going to get LSU out of the way. You're going to get a top eight Arkansas. By the time you roll to May, all right, you're going to have A&M not ranked coming into the season. South Carolina who's ranked at 18, who I think that's, uh, that's questionable. And then Missouri and Alabama. It Isn't rem- the important thing to hold a serve? Stay in the mix. Yeah, this this schedule kind of reminds me of 2016. You remember in 16 when we were at the top of the league and you just felt like we're we're trying to stay close, stay close, stay close to the top. A&M was right there with us. And then those final three weekends we had like, you know, Arkansas who was down that year, Missouri, maybe Alabama late in the year that year. And we won, what, all nine of them and won the league. And so in – this year's kind of very similar. You know, Vanderbilt is week six of the SEC. Okay, like you said, if you can get through, you know, April, you know, halfway okay. Then you look at May, Texas A and M. You know, A and M coming to Startville, South Carolina, as you said, has not had that dominance. You know, ever since Ray Tanner retired. Then you've got Missouri, and then Alabama. You know, Alabama will be much improved. You play Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So you kind of feel like if you can make it to May, top, number two, I mean, you've got a chance to really do some damage and really build up some points and equity with the selection committee, even though John Cohen's on that committee. about how, what's Hot one, team. The hot team, quote-unquote hot team. You've got a schedule that can make you a hot team late. Hey, we talked about Tommy Raffo coming back. I tell you, you could go through this whole schedule and pick things out. Jim Case comes back, our final non-conference game of the season is Jacksonville State, another guy we visited with last year, and a guy who is – look, man, he's got a good program. They may be the top team in the OVC this year, and they've got a lot of players back from the 2019 team that went to Oxford and played in the regional championship up at Ole Miss, and they've got a lot of those guys back. They're going to be picked to finish. They haven't had the ranking, the uh, projections yet in the OVC, but they're going to be top-ranked or – 
number two in preseason OVC poll. And, yeah, Jim Case, quality coach. And, and I tweeted this out yesterday. I mean, the guy that was in the third-base coaching box when Ty Martin rounded third after hitting that walk-off home run against Notre Dame in the 2000 regional. So, I mean, he was here twice. I was talking to Coach Polk about that this morning. I was telling him the story about talking to Jim Case last year about, you know, Jim Case was a GA, and the only reason he became a GA is because Buck Showalter pulled out last moment, and then, you know, Jim was hired as a GA, and that kind of got him into coaching. And Coach Polk says, yeah. He said that was kind of the the understanding that he had with Buck Showalter is, of course, Buck played here in 77, then went to the minor leagues, got all the way up to AAA. And he was talking to Buck, and Buck was like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get out of baseball. And Coach Polk was like, you need to be a coach. And he said, first of all, when you get out of baseball, I want you to come back to Mississippi State and be one of my GAs. And Buck was saying, okay, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. And then when he got out of you know playing baseball, he came back and says, hey, the Yankees want to hire me to help coach in their Florida State League. And Coach Polk was like, you've got to take that. And so – that understanding of Buck Showalter coming back here, getting into college coaching, he decides to go into minor league coaching. That leaves an empty spot for Jim Case. And Jim Case has said, hey, if I didn't have that GA opportunity in the mid-'80s, I don't know if I'd be coaching right now. So it's kind of crazy. And now how he's that, got a stadium name for him. Absolutely. Now a state, a very nice stadium at Jacksonville named boy, after him. I could go on a rant about doing away with GAs, but that's, a, that's another issue that we probably shouldn't do. So your overall takeaway from the schedule – how do you feel about it? What do you like? What do you not like? I tell you what, you don't have many dogs in there. I mean, you don't have – you've got this, – this may be as good of a non-conference schedule as I've seen. Uh, I mean, you've got Eastern Michigan in there. Kind of reminds you of Quinnipiac from last year. And, of course – You know, their coach, by the way, uh, was the associate head coach for Ray Tanner at South Carolina back when they were winning. I mean, so this is a guy who's been around some programs. He's actually head coach at Liberty for a while and took them to the regionals. So it's a program that wasn't any good. He was brought in to try to turn things around. He's got some hitters. It's going to be a question. They lose a lot of softball games. Okay. Yeah. And when I say softball, church league softball, 15 14. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, it will be. But, you know, other than that, you know, Southern coming in, Southern's always good out of the swag. We play. You know, two against Jackson State early near. Those are our first two home games. But overall, when you start looking at non-conference, non-conference-wise, this is a very good schedule, very good schedule. And, you know, how do you guard against not losing to teams with RPIs over 200? You don't play them. Don't play them. <laughs> and so I don't we're, – uh, we're not going to have that. Now, the league schedule, not playing Florida. You know, I think Georgia's going to be, be okay. Tennessee, I think Tennessee's going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be great. I think they're going to be top 25. And so not playing Tennessee this year may help us a little bit. But uh, but overall, yeah, I think uh, I go back to that point, Charlie. If we can start off and get through you know the month of April in an okay shape, I think we've got a chance to really make some hay in the month of May. Hey, that rhymed. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> all right, so you look at it, I feel – it's as basically as good a schedule as you could ask for. But here's the thing. And you know why it's good? Because it's a schedule. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I just want to play. Let's just play somebody. I don't care if we have to play the Yankees. Let's play somebody and let's get as many people in as we can to, to be able to watch it. And I'm ready. I am too. It's not long now. Four weeks. And so Charlie and I, will start up our out of left field regular show. It'll be on uh, WFCA French Camp 
every week, and we'll have that weekly for you. I think we're going to continue. Do you want to continue the Sunday coffee deal through baseball season? I think we should. I, yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, I would like to do that. And, uh, so, and we may have a couple of other things to drop. You know, we've done a little bit of talking about some regionals, and so a few other things maybe to come before the season gets here. I was getting some tweets early this week about it. Man, I want you guys to talk a little basketball. So here's the thing. We don't. I don't want to talk basketball. <laughs> and because, and here's the reason why, because we went through the full season of football. We needed to take a little break mentally and get ready for baseball. And so we'll let you guys enjoy, you know, Brock Turnip Seed and Robbie Falk on State Style, the State Style Show. Make sure you go and subscribe to those guys. They do a really good job with their basketball show each and every week. And so weekly show, I think they'll have a show drop later today or maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure when that, when that's going to happen. So we saw those guys walking out of the studio a little while ago. But anyway, um, so for Charlie Winfield, hey, we, we do know we have a Farm Bureau coming back, Country Police and Sausage coming back, and we're going to try to do some some cool things for you during baseball season, have some really good interviews for you. Uh, Kendall Graveman sent me a text a couple of weeks ago, and he's pretty upset that we have not interviewed him yet. And, of course, I told Kendall that uh, I did not want to talk about fishing or hunting, so that, that may kind of disqualify him. But, uh, hey, there's a guy that's gone from 88 to 98 on his fastball mile per hour since going to big league baseball. So, Well, and who says? That's pretty interesting you say that because what did we hear in football? Well, if you can't throw it hard, you can't throw it hard. <laughs> you, there's still room for development on these guys, man. It really there's is. There's still room for development. So it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. And we'll have the, the first show for you of out of left field. Schedule probably that first week of February is when we're looking at. But uh, who knows? We may drop something on you be- between now and then. As, uh, we How about get ready. we get together for coffee before that? Let's maybe just talk through some of our position groups. Let's, let's do a little more. What do you say? As long as you have coffee. The last time I came in here for a coffee, you were like, hey, I got a bottle of water for you. So it was Sunday morning bottle of water. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's a little – We'll work on that. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Make sure you subscribe to Out of Left Field and uh, look forward to talking with you guys throughout the entire 2021 baseball season.